Hey everybody, I'm Meredith Baker for On The Map Off The Radar and today I'm at Oxford at John Radcliffe Hospital with two Oxford PhD students and also researchers, Yale Michaels and Quentin Ferry. Hi. And they're going to talk today about DNA editing. There's been a recent revelation in the scientific world in 2012 with the discovery of CRISPR, which you all will soon find out about. And they're going to talk about how it could revolutionize um, human engineering, treating illnesses, and everything really. So we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you guys so much for being here. Yeah, th thanks very much for having us. We're always happy when uh, someone lets us out of the lab. So. Yeah, real, real <laughs> well, pleasure. I'm, well, I'm honored to have you guys. And could you start by explaining what CRISPR is and how it was discovered? Sure. So, so uh, humans, as, as you probably know, have uh, an adaptive immune system. So the idea is that once you get the measles once, you don't get it again because your, your body kind of remembers it. So for a long time, people thought that this was kind of a property of like higher, higher animals. Um, but a really interesting discovery that kind of spanned over 10, 15 years was that actually bacteria also have adaptive immune systems. So bacteria are able to um, get infected by a virus and retain a memory of, of that virus. And then subsequently, they can fight it off. And so the, the really powerful insight is that you could actually steal this bacterial immune system, which is called CRISPR, and use it in a way that allows you to modify human and other mammalian cells. So, so the really, uh, really exciting sort of breakthrough is what this allows us to do using this stealing this bacterial immune system is to um, make changes in our DNA in a precise way that we, we couldn't really do uh, as easily before. Wow, and so can you explain the process of how you would use CRISPR in a situation? Like so yeah, so the, the way the bacteria works really has two components. One component is in the DNA and is used to store a record of the different viral infection that the bacteria had before. And then it will use this record in combination with a protein which is called Cas9 to search for a New, new infection, new viral infection. So you have the sentinel in the bacterial cell that will look for a new phage infection and can find a particular DNA sequence attached to it, cleave it, and as a consequence degrade it. So what scientists have done really is take this machine and repurpose it to use it in a lot, uh, a, a lot of different cell types, notably human um, cells and being able to search for a particular DNA sequence and send these Cas9 machines there and cleave the genome. And then once you have this, this uh, cleavage in your DNA, there is a lot of mechanism at play in the cell that allows you to repair and modify the sequence at this very loca location, basically. So very specific engineering Extremely. for certain types of yeah. cells to be created. And um, could you both explain what you're using CRISPR for in your own work? Sure. So, so one, um, one of the really powerful sort of aspects of this whole thing is if we know that in a particular disease uh, that it has a cause which is genetic. So for example, there's a certain mutation which we know uh, causes cancer or some other hereditary disease. What CRISPR allows you to do is to go in and do a cut and paste job and essentially put a, a genetic band-aid over that mutation and, and correct it potentially. So there's a lot of interest in using this for various diseases, but I'm interested in thinking of uh, ways to, to edit cells that might give them resistance to becoming cancer. Um, so that's sort of the, the main focus of my work and, and also thinking about ways that we can edit immune cells in the body and program them to do, do, do a better job of fighting off cancer. 
And for the work that you're doing, how are you kind of testing it now in the preliminary stages? And would it be looking at preventing cancer um, once somebody already has cancer cells, or on, or would this be something that in the future would be used on normal people or human embryos before they're even born to give them that those immune cells to prevent cancer? Yeah. So um, I guess the way that we to start up answering your first question, I guess the way that we uh, test these things is we take human cells and try to grow them in a petri dish. So that's sort of the most basic level. Um, and and this, this is sort of the general paradigm for, for treating disease. So we take human cells in a petri dish and we say, we say, okay, can we actually make the changes that we want using CRISPR in these cells? And then once that's worked in a petri dish, then uh, the next stage is to kind of move up to an animal model. Um, so we might use things like mice to say, okay, now that we have the context of a living thing, does this give the cells the, the properties that we want? So, so in my case, it might be saying, in a mouse, can we use immune cells to, to fight off cancer in a better way? Cells that have been modified with, with CRISPR. And then in terms of how to implement this, um, we're trying to, trying to explore both options that you said. So one thing would be to, to use these tools for someone that already has the disease. Um, and, and modify their cells in a way that you could help fight it off once it's already there. And another is to try to think about, can we harness these tools for uh, prophylactic prevention of cancer? So could we, could we take the cells we know are at risk of becoming cancerous and edit those you know, before, before the disease actually shows up as a sort of a preventative approach? Wow. That seems like it would be a game changer. Yeah, I think that's if, you know that's that's definitely uh, many years down the line in terms of going from the cells in the petri dish to to sort of the human where we really want it to work. But that's sort of the the long term goal, and we're we're trying to make some baby steps towards this. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way. And Quentin, I know your research is complementary to Yale's. And can you yeah explain exactly? A bit? So Yale uses the uh, original. Um, purpose of the Cas9, which is to cleave right, the DNA. But we have this DNA and we can also manipulate it in a other way than just changing the sequence. So there is a, a really fundamental question, very interesting question in the field, which is the fact that every cell in our body carry the same DNA yet do different things. And this is because they use a different set of genes. Okay? So if you see the DNA as, as a book and the genes as a, as a chapter, depending on which chapter the cell will choose to, um, to read from, it will have a different story. So it will have a different fate. And so um, CRISPR-Cas9 can be modified to instead of uh, targeting a sequence of DNA and cleaving it, you can target a gene and control its activation. So you can basically tell the cell which chapter it should read. So you can basically, in theory, repurpose any cell to do whatever you want it to do. Uh, so this is, this is mind-blowing, right? right? And so one of the applications of this, for example, is all the stem cell therapy. So taking um, skin cells, for example, and reprogram them to have, for example, uh, hard cells that you could use to repair damaged tissue, for example. This, so that's for the medical aspect. On the other side, you uh, have the possibility to understand how different genes give you, for example, resistance to different treatment or how they play a role in turning your, your body from one cell to you know, this amazing machine that we have here. So yeah, a lot of questions to answer with that tool in particular. Yeah. But also very fascinating research, and this kind of leads me to my next question, is I know there's a big ethical debate if yeah. you can kind of control the cells or kind of have the whole guidebook to how 
how to control and, and program these genes, then will it lead to potentially designer babies or um, later on down, down the road, you know, only the rich having access to this material where they could develop a super breed of humans? And if you both have any comments on that. Uh, yeah, so I guess I guess sort of the major um, area which has uh, generated a lot of interest as it pertains to how CRISPR could be used is because it's so easy and quick and, and seemingly effective, people are asking about, you know, what happens if we start doing this in, in the germline? So the germline means sort of doing this in, in embryos uh, in a way that the whole, in this case we're concerned about doing this in humans, the whole human will have this change made in all of their DNA. And the real concern behind this is it will subsequently be passed down to, to further generations. Yeah. So the, instead of kind of making sort of temporary changes now, the, the, the controversy has arised as to whether or not it's okay to start making permanent changes by, by editing the so-called uh, germline. And, and as you said, people have raised various concerns around this. Um, and I guess, you know, one thing that's been discussed sort of uh, amongst the public and between scientists is, can this be used to make what might be referred to as a designer baby or, or an enhanced human with some uh, special properties. So, so this is definitely something that I think is very important to discuss both among scientists and with the public, people that are responsible for, for making legislation, and sort of think about it before we do it, for, for sure, uh, rather than trying to sort of clean up a mess which we've made retroactively. Um, and sort of in regards to this idea of, of creating, you know, enhanced superhumans, I think we're limited right now by the fact that what makes you you is incredibly complicated and is not the result of one gene or one mutation. Right. Uh, and it's not just a result of your DNA, it's also a result of your environment. So uh, a lot of it has to do with how you grew up, where you went to school, who your friends were. And there's a very complicated interaction between your DNA and the environment such that I would say that right now, you know, we don't we don't understand this well enough that we could make these these designer babies. Right. Um, it would just be for certain inheritable illnesses or yeah. traits that So probably probably the most uh, important application and what's going to come first in the CRISPR field is editing um, at the somatic level. So um, editing our cells, not the, the germline, germline cells, so that you cannot pass on the, the mutation to your offspring. Um, the advantage of this is, remember that I told you the DNA is a book and different chapters are read differently by the different cells. So when you have this uh, a problematic mutation in your DNA, they actually affect just a subpopulation of your, of your cell because a lot of cells of your body don't use this particular chapter. Right? So uh, in terms of curing the disease, you will just have to find a subpopulation of cell affected and re-engineer those cells and put it back in the patient without having to change its entire DNA, right? Right. which will then be passed on to next generation. So I, I think this this somatic um, modification therapies will be available pretty soon. Actually, one of the leaders in the field predict that they will, this will be available within 10 years. Um, wow. uh, but I think, yeah, for, for the germline editing, this is going to have to wait a bit. Yeah, probably. Well, it's good. It gives the scientific community and the world at large time to discuss the, the yeah. ethics behind it. But yeah. as you were saying before, there's someone who's looking at HIV um, using. CRISPR to fight HIV as well, and could you explain a little bit about how that 
yeah, sure. So, so just kind of the general background idea is that um, immune cells, which are prone to infection by HIV, they produce a, a receptor, a, a chunk of protein that sits on the surface of the cell, which is the entry point for the virus. Um, and kind of what they've learned through various experiments is if you eliminate this thing, then it removes the entry point and the cell can no longer get infected by the HIV, which is fantastic. So actually a, a sort of a precursor to CRISPR, sort of an old school version of this called zinc fingers, which mm -hmm. enable you to do the same thing, but they're kind of slow and bulky and, and don't work quite as well. Uh, th this has been used to try to remove this receptor from immune cells so that they're, they're not prone to, to viral infection. So people are now thinking, well, we have Cas9, CRISPR, this really rapid tool. Maybe we can do this in a, in a cleaner way that might you know, give people some uh, uh, reduced propensity for getting infected by HIV or may help the spread once it's, it's already in their, in their mm -hmm. bodies. And then as we were also discussing, so some of the other things that you have to look at, I guess, as a scientist is if you remove this receptor, even though it might prevent HIV, will that have unintended consequences yeah. um, mm. in fighting other <coughs> diseases or in how the body works? Yeah, well. exactly. And so as you, as you mentioned about sort of this issue of designer babies, one concern is if we start editing things in a permanent way, Maybe we maybe you know we don't have a full enough understanding to see what are the unintended consequences of, of doing that, and I think that's a really important question to consider before we start, you know, doing this in humans. Is is uh, what else will we affect besides that that one uh, change that we're after? And then, as a final question, do you think that this has been um, adequately covered in the mainstream media, and why do you think it's so important for everybody to know about CRISPR? Oh well, I'll, I'll start by saying that. It for, for a new scientific discovery and technological development, I think it's been very well covered in the sense that I'm surprised to find friends which are not in the field and have heard about the technique itself. Uh, so this has to be put into context. You know, CRISPR is not like any technology. It's been booming like, drastically. So the first paper describing the methods in human cell was published in 2013. Since then, the entire community has used the tool. Um, the, uh, as I said, the, the leader in the field have given different talk, not, notably a TED talk, uh, things like this. So yeah, I, I think it's pretty much covered now. Yeah, so, there so definitely gaps. amongst the scientific community, uh, there's a, a lot of hype and buzz around it. And you know, uh, it's really exciting. and. and People are always interested in how they can use it in their research. But in terms of sort of the, the more mainstream media and, and kind of seeing it in the, in the newspaper, you know, I've seen a few articles and, and some of the, the big publications have, have covered it, but I'm not sure that the, you know, general the general public knows about this and, and sort of knows about the power that this may have in the future, both in terms of uh, how it will change the way research is done, but probably more, more interesting for for, for most people is how it might change the way uh, cancer is treated, diseases are treated, the way that we approach medicine and, and kind of the way that we uh, think about how we could modify our bodies and our cells. Yeah, so, and evolution in general. It's uh, yeah, huge. Ab absolutely. So the potential implications are, are really exciting and, yeah. and far-reaching and you know some of the things as you mentioned are controversial and it would be great to have people engaged in a discussion about them and, and thinking about them before they happen. Exactly. Well, one actually, uh, if I if I can just mention, that one of the um, chunk of the population which is pushing the technology forward on all those uh, group of support group for kids with monogenic disorders, which have been very quick at, at understanding the potential of the technology and are pushing both the scientists and the clinician to make it happen. 
because we have a chance actually to, to solve a huge burden for both society and, and the parents. Uh, and as scientists, they argue that we should follow this and make it happen as quick as we can. Yeah, which is a, a completely valid point. So yeah. it sounds like it's something that everyone will hopefully be hearing about in the coming years with all of the breakthroughs that you guys are working on <laughs> um, at Oxford and beyond. Everybody, thank you so much for watching On the Map Off the Radar. Thanks to Yale and Quentin for thank talking Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Bernard. I'll be sure to include some links below the video if you guys would like to read more about CRISPR and Cas9. Bye.